Well, good morning to each and every one of you. I am so glad to see each and every one of you here on site. And a shout out welcome to those in our church family and our many guests who have joined us online. Can we give it up right now for all of our first time guests? Can we let them know how glad we are that they are here today? And if that's you, we trust that you enjoy your experience. And on your way out this morning, drop by an exit table. We have a coffee cart for you. Uh, just our way of saying thank you for coming uh, to a coffee place in our city. City, and we also will make a donation to the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario. Well, it's hard to believe that this is the Christmas week, and Christmas Eve is not many sleeps away. And we really hope that you can join us on the 23rd or the 24th. We have two services on the 23rd and three on the 24th. Pick up some invites on your way out. Go to our church website. Use your social media. Spread the word and be the light to this great city of Ottawa. Are you ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word, church? Are you ready for God's word? Well, we're in a four-part sermon series that we're calling it Rediscover Christmas. In the first message, we talked about rediscovering hope. Last Sunday, we talked about rediscovering joy. Next week, we're going to talk about rediscovering love. But today, for a couple of moments, I want to talk to you about rediscovering peace. Oh, isn't that an important theme in these difficult days? Rediscovering peace. And we're going to look at this subject through the lens of the Christmas story. I want to break this message into two parts. And I want to start with six thoughts about defining peace. What really does peace mean? How would we define it? I want to walk you back into the Old Testament. And there's an Old Testament word for peace. You probably heard it. Shalom. Come on, everybody say shalom. One, two, three. Shalom. It's the Hebrew word for peace. And it actually means a, a state of wholeness or a place of harmony. And it's intended to resonate in every single relationship that you have in life. There's meant to be a wholeness and a harmony in you, vertically and horizontally, in your home, shalom in your home, and shalom in every relationship, a wholeness and a harmony. Number two, it's often used as a greeting. If we were Hebrew, living in the Old Testament days, and we saw each other, we go, shalom, and you say shalom back to me. Everybody would say shalom. It was actually a wish for outward freedom from disturbance. Because they were in a day and an age where there was great outward disturbance, great warfare and difficulty. And so it's outward, but as well as an inward sense of well-being. Shalom has an outward context and an inward context, something outwardly from disturbance and inwardly from well-being. In fact, number three, to a people in the Old Testament, they were constantly harassed and constantly ridiculed and constantly attacked. You will learn in the Bible that peace was the actual premier blessing. Can I read to you the blessing that Moses shared to Aaron? And he said to Aaron, you and your sons share this priestly blessing to God's people. Number six, 24 to 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and give you slow. Every priest in the Old Testament would share that blessing to God's people. Then number four, can we walk now into the New Testament? Did you know that the word peace is over 60 times in the New Testament? And it means to join together. It actually means to set as one again. 
Glue something back together that is broken, something that has been ruptured or broken, and it needs to be joined and it needs to be brought back together. That's what the New Testament word for peace means. Something's been broken and it needs to come back together. Oh, number five won't surprise you that Jesus has come to put us back together again. Jesus is our shalom. Can we pause right now in this first service and give a clap offering of praise to Jesus, our shalom. Who can put us back together is Jesus. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government's gonna be on his shoulders, and he's gonna be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. Did you know Prince of Peace can actually be better translated from the Hebrew, a prince who is coming, who will bring peace. I studied the word prince in the ancient Hebrew and I learned that a, a prince was actually the commander or the chief of an army. And so when Isaiah says the Prince of Peace, he's prophetically speaking about Jesus, our Shalom, who will come and usher in and bring peace. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 2.14 about Jesus. He himself is our peace. Anybody glad that Jesus is our peace? And he's made the two groups one. He's destroyed the barrier and he's the dividing wall of hostility. The word shalom in the Old Testament, the blessing outwardly and inwardly always points to Jesus and Jesus is our shalom. Can I take you now to number six? And I want to show you that the Bible actually speaks of four relational dimensions of peace because peace is meant to impact all of our relationships. Let's look at it through the lens of the Christmas story. Number one, peace with God. Peace with God. You've got to find peace with God. You must have a relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus. I thought of Luke chapter 2, verse 29. You remember Simeon, he was waiting for, for the Messiah to come. And when he met Jesus in verse 29 of Luke 2, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised me, now dismiss your servant in peace. Why? Because he had met Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, you're ready for heaven. When you've invited Jesus in your life, you're ready for heaven. Number one, peace with God. Then there's number two, peace of God. The peace of God that Pastor Brad mentioned that passeth all understanding. The peace of God in the song that we sung about this morning about peace be still. When you can walk in the peace envelope in the peace of God. I thought of Luke 1, 78 and 79 where Zechariah said, Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Verse 79, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. I love this, to guide our feet into the path of peace. He's talking about walking and living in peace. I don't know about you, church, but these are difficult days. These are tough days. Everything seems to change daily and weekly, and fear is gripping people. But as God's people, we got to learn to live and walk in the path of peace, that we could envelope in the peace of Almighty God. That is the peace of God. And then there's number three, peace with others. That's about your relationship with others, the shalom in your home, the shalom in your marriage, the shalom in your family, the shalom in your relationships. I thought of Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Number one, peace with God. 
Number two, the peace of God. And number three, peace with others. And then lastly, peace for others. We must share the peace for others. Luke 2, 17, when they had seen him about, about the shepherds, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Do we not have a great opportunity to spread the love of Jesus at this Christmas time? to invite people on Christmas Eve, whether on site or online, to bring hope to Ottawa, hope to our neighborhood, hope to the nation of Canada, because Jesus is our shalom. I think we need to push pause again right now and give another clap offering of praise. Come on, to our Jesus, to our, come on, Woodvale, to our Jesus, our shalom, our shalom. I want to take you now to the heart of the message, and I want to walk you through several thoughts. I want to talk to you today about finding peace in your life circumstance. And for a couple of moments this morning, we're going to look at, at Mary and Joseph. And we're going to look at peace through the lens of Mary and Joseph. And number one, let's talk about Mary. I would suggest to you, as we study Mary this morning, that she teaches us how to rediscover or find the peace of God when you are feeling overwhelmed. Don't lift your hand but I'm gonna ask the question, how many of you are feeling overwhelmed? Just overwhelmed with life, overwhelmed with your job, overwhelmed with the virus, overwhelmed with the stresses, overwhelmed with the pressures, and sometimes when we're overwhelmed, we don't know what to do. And Mary is gonna teach us this morning, how do we cope, how do we find the peace of God? How do we walk in that path of peace when we are feeling overwhelmed? And there's just three things I wanna offer you as we talk about Mary for a couple of moments. And number, number one, number one, we got to learn to let go of our need to control our situation. I think you all know this, that there's some things in life that are just out of our control and we can't control it. And we gotta stop being control freaks and let go of our need to control our situation. Can you imagine being Mary, just a young girl, angel shows up and says, you're gonna give birth to a child, and how's it gonna happen? You're gonna be, the, the Holy Spirit's gonna overshadow you and come upon you, and you're gonna give birth to the Messiah, and she's just a young girl. What are my parents gonna think? What's Joseph gonna think? What is my church family gonna think? I, I'm gonna be an outcast. I'm gonna be judged. I can't do this. How can I? I'm so overwhelmed. I wanna give you a nugget of truth from Mary of how she let go of her need to control her situation. I wanna read to you Luke 1, 26 to 38, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee. Verse 27, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man, Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her in verse 28, said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. Verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, and he's gonna reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, the angel answered in verse 35, the Holy Spirit is gonna come on you and the power of the Most High is gonna overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be able to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Here's what I want to point out to you. It's verse 38. Look at the screen. Young Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. For I am the Lord's servant. The Living Bible translates it this way, for I am the Lord's servant, may your will be done. Then the angel left her. I started to study the word servant, and the Greek word is douloi. Everybody say douloi, one, two, three, douloi. And servant means someone who willingly submits, willingly surrenders to someone over them. And Mary, who's overwhelmed, willingly surrendered this to God. I am your Lord's servant. You know what that means, church? I trust you, God. Even when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I trust you. Even when this doesn't make a lot of sense and I'm really baffled, I trust you. Even when I don't know how I'm going to get through this, I trust you. Even when I'm a little fearful... I trust you. Allow me to ask the question, and this time I want you to answer it. How many people trust God today? Come on, how many people trust God today? Let go of your need to control your situation. God can be trusted. Mary said, I am your servant. And then there's number two. Let others help you out. You ever notice some people, when they're overwhelmed, they shut everybody out? You send them an email, they don't respond. You call them up, you leave a voice message, they don't get back to you. You don't see them at church. They just become hermits and they hibernate and they're trying to face life on their own. Anybody think that's what the devil wants us to do? Yeah. God doesn't want us to do that. Let others help you out. Let's, let's see what Mary did. Luke 1, 39 and 56. At that time, oh, she just got the word that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. She got ready. She packed her bags and she hurries off to a town in the hill country of Judea. And she goes to the home of Zechariah and her cousin Elizabeth. In verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for, oh, about three months. And she returned home. Can you imagine? She hung out in their house, not for one night, not two nights, not three nights, three months. Can you imagine someone coming to your home for three months? She went there because she needed her cousin. And I asked the question, why did she go to Elizabeth? So I went to the pages of God's word. Let's go to Luke 1, 6, 7. Both of them, about Zachariah and Elizabeth, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They were righteous. Everybody say righteous. One, two, three, righteous. You know what? There's a lot of voices that want to speak into your life, and when you're overwhelmed, listen to somebody who's righteous and honoring God. You want someone to give you godly advice. Am I right? Not worldly advice. Godly advice. They were righteous. Look at verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Elizabeth was older than Mary. And so Mary went to someone who was a little further down the road than her, a little more seasoned in life. I'll tell you, church, when you're overwhelmed, you need someone more seasoned than Jesus to come alongside you. 
You need somebody who's a little farther down the road to come alongside. Look at verse 24 and verse 26. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Interesting. Mary went to someone's home who was going through something similar. Elizabeth was pregnant with John and she wasn't supposed to conceive. And Mary is pregnant with Jesus. She went to someone walking through something similar. I asked you this morning, could it be whatever you are walking through in life, that God wants to use you to come alongside someone who is now walking through what you have walked through? You're nodding to me right now because you know it's true. Take what you've learned and come alongside someone and help them. Look at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of Galilee. Why did Mary go to Elizabeth? Because it was godly. She was godly. Why? Because she was more seasoned. Why? She was walking through what she had walked through, and she was farther along down the path. Please, church, whether you're in the balcony, you're on the main level, or you're watching online, do not shut God's people out of your life when you're hurting. We need each other. Is there a little witness in the house today to that? We need each other. And that's number three. The third and the final thing that Mary taught me as I studied her story, let God give you strength. That's number three, but you got you to you allow God to give you strength. You got to let God into your life to give you strength. How do you do that? I saw three things. Look at verse 45 of Luke chapter one. What did Elizabeth say about Mary? Blessed is she who has believed the Lord who would fulfill his promise to her, his promise. God's word is filled with promises. Find a promise and hold on to it. Find a promise and hold on to it and cling to the one who gave the promise and his name is Jesus. Get a promise, get a word and hold on to it. If y'all know Mark and Evelyn, and if you know my wife, her favorite scripture in all of the Bible the promise that she holds on to is Psalm 91. Anyone else like that? She'll quote it. She'll say it. We'll speak it. We'll read it. It was a promise that kept her through her battle of health. Get a promise from God and hold on to it. It will give you strength. But then there's something else. Look at verse 46. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Number one, get a promise. Number two, release the worship and praise that's in your heart. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed coming this morning to worship God in song. Did anybody else feel a little release? Anyone feel like a burden started to lift as we began to worship? There's nothing like coming into the presence of God. Nothing like being together to corporately worship. I don't know about you, but worship gives me strength. Worship releases the stress. Come on, anybody with me today? Doesn't it release stress? Doesn't it feel good just to worship? Just to worship. Get a promise and worship. But one more thing, Luke 2, 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. She meditated on the word that was given. I'll tell you how I find strength in God is I meditate on the word of God. I read it, I pray it, I meditate on it. 
That's how you find strength. So what does Mary teach us? God can be trusted. Stop trying to control your situation. When it's out of control, it's not out of God's control. Amen. Number two, not just that. Please let the body of Christ help you. Don't face your trial alone. And lastly, let God give you strength. In the final moments of this message, can we talk about Joseph? I want to share with you about Joseph. Number two, Joseph teaches you and me how to find peace with others in our relationships when we're feeling hurt. Oh, don't lift your hand, because I think every hand needs to go up for this question. Have you ever been hurt? Did you ever notice that the closer the relationship, the deeper the hurt? Someone said something or didn't say something. Someone did something or didn't do something. Or something you thought should be and your expectations weren't met. And you walk in hurt. And I've learned in my life, living in hurt is a choice. And we got to choose not to stay in the place of offense and hurt. So let's talk about Joseph today. And we're going to learn today that Joseph teaches us that our reactions matter so much. So I want to give you just three things that I learned from Joseph of how we cannot walk and live in hurt, but be free from life's hurts and live in peace with others. Number one, he taught me to respond with compassion and mercy, not vengeance, but compassion. He rose above his hurt and responded in compassion to Mary. So let's look at a story. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me read Matthew 1, verse 18 and 19. And it's pretty cool when I read this. This, verse 18, is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged, or, or the ancient King James says betrothed, to be married to Joseph. And I think most of you know this. Betrothed means they, they were married, they're engaged. They couldn't break it off unless there was a divorce, but they weren't yet living together. They're betrothed to be married. It's not like nowadays when people get engaged. No, it's, you could break off an engagement, but in those days, you couldn't easily break off a betrothal period. It'd be like divorce. And Mary and Joseph are betrothed or pledged to be married. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I started to study scholars. What do you mean she was found to be pregnant? You know what they say? It started to show, and it became obvious that she was pregnant. It became really obvious. So here's Joseph hearing the news. Can you imagine if you were Joseph? Mary comes to you and says, I need to tell you something. We're expecting the baby, and you're not the father. How would that make you feel? And you say to Mary, well, who is? And she says, um, God the Father's the Father. Come on, Mary. Come on, Mary. What are you covering up? I mean, just imagine the hurt that the devil would want to put into the heart of Joseph. So what did he do? Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. I think the King James Version says, because Joseph, her husband, was righteous. He wanted to honor God, and he was faithful to the law. And he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind just to divorce her quietly. So I started to study this. I, I can't believe what I learned. I went back to Numbers chapter 5. You could read Numbers chapter 5. Now, when you come to the New Testament, not many live this out, but Joseph could have done this. He could have done this. 
He could have taken her to the local priest for what they call the jealousy test. And the jealousy test is that they would get some water and they'd get some dust from the floor of the tabernacle, put it in the water, and the water would become bitter water and they'd make her drink it. And if she got sick, she was guilty. If she didn't get sick, she was innocent. He could have taken her to the priest for the jealousy test. And if she got sick when she drank the water, they would take her to the gates of the city and the local men would stone her to death. Joseph could have done that. Well, you come to the New Testament, yeah, he could have done that. He could have said, I'm going to get even with you. I'm so upset with what you did, and I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to make you, we're going to have the jealousy test. But, but in the New Testament, they could do two other things. He could divorce her publicly or privately. He actually could have went to the temple gate where everybody came into the city and said, I am divorcing Mary because, and he could tell it to the whole city. Or he could just do it quietly and not make a big deal and not tell everybody the story and just walk away. Pretty good that he decided not to do the jealousy test not to have her stoned to death and not to go to the gates and shout out loudly, I divorce her, but to do it quietly and walk with the pain. I don't know about you, but that's a big man of God right there. He didn't want to disgrace her. So I learned that when I'm feeling hurt, I might need to respond with compassion and not vengeance. But then there's number two, be open to change and correction. Now, I got to link verse 19 and verse 20. Verse 19, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. It's in his mind. It's stuck in his mind. Joseph had thought it through, and it's in his mind. I am not going to do the numbers five jealousy test, and I'm not going to take her to the gate and shout out the divorce. I've made up my mind. This is what I'm going to do. And I thought about that, and I thought, what would change your mind in any situation? when it's stuck in your mind. Look at verse 20, it's on the screen. But after he had considered this, <laughs> it's in his mind, but then he changed his mind. He was open to change. And I just thought about that. Sometimes when you walk and hurt, it's because you don't know the whole story. You don't know all that happened. You don't know every detail surrounding it. You don't know the heart and the intent of the other person. You don't know everything. But I'll tell you this right now. The devil wants to get stuff in your mind to convince you that you are right and everyone else is wrong. The devil wants you to never be open that maybe there's something in you that needs to be dealt with. The devil wants to put blinders on you. The devil wants you to stay in your hurt. And we expose it today in the name of Jesus because the devil is a thief, liar, killer, destroyer. But Jesus is our shalom. He is our peace. Come on, little pause. Give a little clap offering of praise right now. Come on, right now to our God. So with that in mind, let me land this preaching plane on number three. Be open to the voice of God. It amazes me as a pastor how many people I meet who are walking in hurt who are not open to the voice of God. Don't talk to me. I've made up my mind. I know what happened. Church, please, 
Can we be open to the voice of God? Can we be open to what God would want to say? Let me, let, me, let me close with verse 20 to verse 25, and I invite the worship band and team to come and join me on the platform. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, he thought it through. I'm not going to do the jealousy test, and I'm not going to do this loudly. I'm going to do it privately. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and God spoke to him in five ways. And I want to close this message with the five ways that God spoke to him. Number one, God spoke to him personally. He said, Joseph, son of David. And Whitfield, I want you to know that God wants to speak to you a personal word. He's got a word for you personally. He spoke to him personally, Joseph, son of David. Secondly, he spoke to him peacefully. Do not be afraid. He spoke to him peacefully. He spoke to him personally. And then he spoke to him purposefully, number three. (laughs) Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It's like God was saying to the angel, Joseph, I've got a purpose that's bigger than your hurt. I've got a purpose that's greater than what you're walking through. The voice of God is always personal and peaceful and purposeful. But then fourthly, it's prophetic. He spoke to him personally, peacefully, purposefully, and prophetically. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, number one, God speaks personally. Number two, God speaks peacefully. Number three, God speaks purposefully. And number four, God speaks prophetically. But lastly, God speaks providentially. His name, will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Look this way, what are you facing? What are you walking through? God is with you. He was with you yesterday, he's with you today, and he's gonna be with you tomorrow. You're watching online and you're going through treatments. God is with you in that journey. There's never a moment that God is not with you. Amen. So we don't have to fear. We can live and walk in the shalom of God Almighty. So verse 24, 25, when Joseph woke up, he didn't go to the gate and have the jealousy test. (laughs) He didn't go to the priest and ask for the jealousy test. He didn't go to the gate and expose Mary publicly. He didn't even go to her privately. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage, verse 25, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And I close this message by saying to you, Jesus is your shalom. Jesus, it's your shalom.
Jesus is your shalom. Would you stand with me? Pastor Brad, just begin to lead us in that song. And can I just encourage you, whether you're on site or you're online, let the shalom of Jesus envelope you right now. Don't stay overwhelmed. Don't stay in your hurt. <laughs> let the peace that passeth all understanding push away the fear, push away the worry, push away the stress, push away the pain, push away the problem. Jesus is our shalom. So feel free to lift your hands right now. Let's just take a moment in these final moments. Let's worship together about the shalom that is found in our Jesus. out and everyone's eyes will be closed and in these final moments there are two final things but first of all the first thing of today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity are you ready for heaven was there a time was there a place was there a moment that you personally asked Jesus to come into your life and be the center of your life if today is the day that Jesus came back for his church, do you know that 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 you're going to heaven on the main level, up in the balcony, you're watching online. And if you can't answer that question with a definite yes, 
I want to lead you in this prayer today. I have no greater joy than leading you in a prayer to make your peace with God through Jesus Christ. We've been talking about shalom today, and it starts with peace with God, accepting him into your life. Jesus came as a baby. He didn't stay in the manger. He grew. He walked. He died on a cross. They put him in a grave. On the third day, he was raised to life. He died for your sins. And if you can't answer the question, yes, I'm ready for heaven, but I want to be, I want to lead you in this prayer, and we're going to join you. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life, please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you and serve you. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I make my peace with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we open our eyes right now? Can we celebrate? Come on. Can we celebrate salvation? Now, you're standing here today, you're watching online, and you prayed that prayer. You made the best decision of your life. You don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church. We'd be honored if you joined us here at Woodville. You're on site. On your way out, go to an exit table. we got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet called Follow. It's free. And this is your church family. Get into a connect group. You, you saw about life groups. Connect in a life group as well. It will help you in your journey. But before we go, I just want to say to you, and I want to pray for you, because I don't want anybody here to live and walk in fear. I, I don't want you to feel that horrible feeling of being overwhelmed. I want you to be enveloped by my Jesus, because he is my shalom. I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to walk and live in peace. Amen. I just feel the Lord saying to me to say right now, there's nothing this week that you're going to face that you can't make it through with Jesus. He's with you right now. He's with you right now. Jesus is your shalom. And I feel the Lord say to me to say to the house, just surrender the burden. Stop trying to control it. Stop trying to make it happen. Stop trying to steer it the way you want. Just be like Mary. I am the Lord's servant. Not my will, but your will be done. I submit to you. I trust you, God. I'm telling you, church, Jesus can be trusted. I said, Jesus can be trusted. He can be trusted. He can be. And he's got a word for you today. It's personal, and it's peaceful, and it's purposeful, and it's prophetic, and it's providential. Live in it, walk in it, and may there be shalom over your life in Jesus' name. So I want you right now just to lift your hands. I want to pray in these final moments. God the Father, I pray peace over everyone in this place, everyone on this main level, everyone up on the risers, everyone that's watching online, everyone way up on the balcony, everyone, God, who's watching as a guest from across Canada or from around the world, I pray the shalom of Jesus over every home. I pray shalom of Jesus over our minds. I pray, Jesus, that we wouldn't walk in fear, but we would walk in peace in the name of Jesus. I pray God that we would walk in the presence and the peace of you. I pray blessing on everyone. I pray your face would shine upon each one. I pray your joy would be our strength. I pray Jesus that you would order our steps, our rising up, our sitting down, our going out, our coming in. I pray we would have an amazing Christmas walking and living in your peace. We give you glory in Jesus name. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted amen. Come on everybody shout it. Amen. Come on give a loud clap offering of praise 
to our, come on, a loud clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Well, God bless you, Woodfell. We love you so much. Have a great day and a great week. We'll see you Christmas Eve.